Hey there, this is the Evolution Sermon Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that our message makes your week a bit more awesome. See you in church. Which brings me to my message for today, and it's entitled Prayer is Magic. And what I want to talk about this afternoon is about how powerful prayer can be in our lives. Now, for those of you who don't know this about me, I actually grew up in a Christian family. I come from a line of six generations of Christians on my mom's side. So since I can remember, right guys, I have never missed a single weekend of church. And because I also grew up an Anglican, which is, if you're familiar, it's a traditional uh, denomination in Singapore. So as far back as I can remember, right, I grew up reciting, sometimes even singing the Lord's Prayer every week in church. Now, of course, mine was the old English version, not the version you guys are used to nowadays. Okay, so every week in church, it would go something like this. Uh, The prayer would go, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Yes, this is from the Bible, not from Shakespeare, okay? (laughs) So now the only thing I really knew about prayer back then was it was something that we Christians did all the time. A ritual to some spirit in the sky, some far, far away God, and who knows whether my message even got to Him. Um, So prayer was really just a thing we did, but God was never that real to me in my life. That is until I was nine and I had an encounter with God. And then when I was 12, I had a few more supernatural encounters with God. And then everything changed when I was 14 years old because I really got touched by the Holy Spirit. I went full-on tongue-speaking, supernatural. God is a person on fire for Jesus. And that was the turning point of my life. But there was one incident in particular that drastically shifted my belief, specifically about the reality of prayer. Now, at that time, I loved God. I spent a lot of time in His presence. I would make sure I heard his voice every single day. But for whatever reason, right, uh, I wasn't fully confident that God would actually answer my prayers. So I would pray all the great stuff like, God, I love you. I would pray for my family. I would pray for school, all the usual stuff. But when, you know, I would always end off by giving myself an out, okay, which as I would say, God, hey, no pressure. I love you just for you. So if you say no to my prayers, it's okay, God, we are cool. But one day, one day, I did what every 14-year-old does at some point. I lost my wallet, which is this wallet right here. Now, you know how it is, right, um, in secondary school. It's the first time you're carrying a lot of stuff in your awesome wallet, right? Your IC, your bus pass, your monthly transport pass. And it happened that that very day, and I never do this, but that day, I was carrying a lot of money in my wallet. Plus, this was actually a gift from one of my leaders in church. So I was really, really distraught that I had lost it. And uncle and auntie will actually tell you this is really true, of course. They also remember this day super clearly. I felt terrible because there had been $150 of my parents' money in there. And so I tell you, when I got home that day after school, 
I really got on my knees and I prayed. You know, it was all very, very dramatic. But I swear to you that when I prayed that day, I actually heard God say to me, hey, on the third day, your wallet will be returned to you. I know it sounds like Jesus resurrecting from the dead, right? So, so when I heard that, right, I got really, really nervous because I really wanted to believe God has spoken to me but it seemed like this really far-fetched possibility. Who is going to return $150? Now, but for whatever reason, you know, I managed to work out some courage, some embarrassing courage, and I told my parents what God has said to me. You know, I can still remember their faces, right? Usually, they would be very hard on me, but on this day, they saw how sad I was, and so they took pity on me and didn't scold me, didn't say anything. So the first day went by. Second day went by. Third day still nothing. You know, I would come home every day and immediately check the mailbox to see if maybe someone had returned my wallet. And sometimes I really hope that the postman would come back twice maybe, you know, maybe he forgot to deliver the wallet. But by day three, evening came and I was completely dejected. You know, my mom felt so sorry for me that she actually said to me, it's okay, it's just $150. You know, we can go to the ICA, get your IC done, but I was so sad, I went up to my room and I cried, thinking, oh man, I've really done it now. I've imagined God's voice. So that day, 11.30, I got into bed, you know, and I lay awake, tearing. And, and then suddenly, just a few minutes before midnight, the doorbell to my house rings. And of course, I'm stunned because it's at like 11 plus, but I'm too scared to go downstairs to find out who it is. So after a few minutes, finally I hear my mom calling me, come downstairs. And I come down just in time to see a young guy get into a taxi and drive off. And my mom and dad come into the house and they are holding up my wallet. And inside, all my stuff, my bus pass, $150, all intact. So what had happened was three young men had found my wallet and decided, all three of them, to take a cab to my place just to return me my wallet. And they made it to my house on the third day, just before midnight. So that was the first time for me that I realized prayer is for real. And from then on, the way I prayed in my life began to change because I learned that while God does sometimes say no to us, while prayer sometimes brings miracles and breakthroughs, but also sometimes doesn't, you know what? Prayer can still potentially be magic. So come on, if you believe that, give it a shout out in the chat right now on the Evolution Online. Amen? So this afternoon, I want to give you three reasons why prayer is magic, okay? Yeah. And tell you, you know, some attitudes and perspectives that we also should have when we approach God to pray. So if you have a Bible, turn with me right now to James chapter 5, verse 13 to 18. It says there, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are 
And yet when he prayed that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. So I hope today as you're hearing God's word being read out loud, it's really encouraging you. Because if you are going through a difficult time, the Bible tells us to pray. If you are doing okay, then listen, this week, let your quiet time be cheerful. Come to God with thankfulness and gratitude. If you are sick, and here it doesn't just refer to physical health, but maybe your mental health is not great, the Bible says to pray. And why? Because verse 15 says, Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. So prayer is magic, point one, because prayer moves God. Prayer has this supernatural quality to it, all right? The book of James tells us it can literally trigger a response of power from God to the point that He might intervene in our suffering and He might even heal us if we are sick. So one of the most encouraging parts, however, of this passage actually comes in verse 17, where it says, Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. So listen, if you've been here for the past few services and heard me talk about the prophet Elijah, you understand the magnitude of what it is I'm saying to you here right now. I mean, Elijah was completely, you know, this guy who was complaining, whining, dramatic. And yet, God still used him to pray down fire from heaven. And here, James says that Elijah prayed and there was no rain for three years. And then he prayed again and rain actually fell. So there's this element of our relationship with God where he loves us so much that we can be human, imperfect, struggling in our walk with Him, and yet this good God will answer us. And I hope that speaks to your situation, your heart this very moment, that prayer can still be a magical experience for each of you, simply because very often the answer has nothing to do with you and everything to do with how loving God is towards you. How, you know, it's so amazing, guys, that a perfect God created this mechanism for imperfect human beings to actually move his heart. Now listen, I've been leading you for more than half my life now. And one of the things that happens pretty regularly, right, is when you are young or newly saved in church, a lot of times, right, new Christians have a lot of supernatural experiences with answered prayer. You know, they're new, so they want to know whether God actually answers prayer or not. And for some reason, a lot of you like to test it out by asking God to do tricks like stopping the rain. (laughs) Maybe you read James, I don't know, okay? But another one that some of you like to try is when you are late for school, you go, God, please, please, please give me a miracle. Because if I am late one more time, I am going to get detention. You know, bring this bus. Send this train exactly right on time. You know, supernaturally make all the traffic lights turn green and the grab driver impossibly fast. And guess what? Very often, it actually happens, especially if you are a new Christian. You know, so your mind is immediately blown. You come to me and say, oh my God, pastor, God is real. Prayer works. And then it only happens once. (laughs) Or if God loves you very much, maybe twice. 
But there's one sort of situation where the phenomenon of stopping rain actually happens pretty often in our church, okay? And that is when we are running a big day and many friends who don't know Jesus are actually around. Now listen, I kid you not, baptism, outdoor sports events, you know, the clouds will roll in, the weather report says confirmed thunderstorm, but our team gets together and they pray and 80% or 90% of the time, we actually defy the NEA. You know, too hot for sports, we pray. And some random cloud flows in and blocks the sun. You know, and everyone always gets so amazed and excited when it happens. Yeah. And in those instances, it has nothing to do with whether that youth who prayed did quiet time that week. Whether that person is some seasoned, you know, master Christian that, wow, when they pray, miracles happen. You know, heck, I might even want to strangle that leader or person that week for not planning the event properly and checking the weather report. But that doesn't stop God from being moved by our prayer. So I want you to know that there is this certain aspect of prayer that actually doesn't depend on us and has everything to do with the fact that we serve a powerful, supernatural, good and gracious God who provides whether we deserve it or not, who sends a sign simply maybe because you need some encouragement that day. So in fact, God often uses these answered prayers that have nothing to do with the state of us to amaze us because it causes us to remember that He's there, to make us attentive that we can count on Him and trust Him. So all the new Christians listening today, you know, right now you may be one week old a Christian because I know just this week some of you got saved. And, and this, can I tell you, might be the most wonderful time of your life as a new Christian to see crazy, funny, silly answered prayers happen in your life. Because God cannot wait to reveal Himself to you, to show you that He is real, to show you that He is powerful. And for the rest of you who maybe right now in your walk you're going through a hard time, Maybe you're struggling. Let me tell you, this could be a moment where God wants to answer your prayer too because He wants to deepen your faith in Him, to remind you that no matter what, He still loves you. But you must turn to Him to pray. And when you pray, you could very well move God. Now, at the same time, while a lot doesn't depend on us, I also want to encourage you and elevate you today by saying, prayer moves God but also especially when we come in faith. Prayer moves God, especially when we come in faith. Verse 15 says, Such a prayer offered in faith will heal. Now, the Greek word James chooses to use here is actually defined as a vow of trust. So listen, young faith depends very little on all of us. But mature faith, the Bible says, is a vow of trust. So I want you to understand that some things you pray for, you know, God will, yes, sovereignly decide to say yes to you, especially if you are young in faith, especially if it's a moment where you really just simply need encouragement. You know, God knows what you need. But where we can, the Bible tells us, advises us here in James to approach God with faith, and trust, to vow, to be committed to our faith and trust. You know, one of the verses that Christians love to quote when it comes to faith is actually Mark chapter 9, verse 23, where it says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, 
all things are possible to him who believes. Yeah. You know, why don't you say right now behind your screen, believes. believes. Now, believes in Greek is actually very interesting. It's in the continuous and repeated tense. Yeah. Yeah. So that means Jesus is saying here, when he tells us to believe, he, he means you have to believe and keep on believing over and over again. Yeah. So faith, guys, is not always a feeling. Faith doesn't always come with zero fears or doubts. You know, it means that when we pray, even when things are uncertain, even though your thoughts and emotions are uncertain, that we must choose, we must choose and commit to trust God no matter what. So, you know, one thing I found, guys, is a lot of times when Christians come to God, they tend to come to Him with conditional prayers. You know, God, only if you do this, then I will have faith. Then I will trust. Then I will obey. Now, that is okay when you're very young and immature in your relationship with God. But as we grow and, and, and we want to learn to pray prayers that move God, listen, we have to learn to come in faith. Yeah. So when we choose to come trusting, we also come with a grateful spirit. You know, we must choose the kind of attitude with which we approach God when we pray. So instead of being angry, instead of being frustrated, instead of being complaining, instead of being offended that things have not been going your way, you know what? We need to come in faith and with a great attitude. Because listen, it's not the content of our prayers that move God. It's actually the character of our prayers behind our prayers that does. So when you're young in faith, God works with your level of faith. But when we grow up in our relationship with Him, it's almost as though God sometimes will actually choose not to answer you because the answer lies in your character. So while we are trying so hard to move God with our prayers, God is actually trying to move us. So, so let me tell you a story, right? I went into full-time ministry uh, in my church, the Anglican church, a long time ago when I was 18 years old, just after I finished my A-levels. And now at the time, I was extremely excited. You know, I had a round of talks with my leaders in church and my youth pastor, and the plan was that I was going to answer the call of God, do youth ministry for two years. And so I was over the moon excited. But you know what happened? On my very first day of work, my senior pastor calls me into his office together with my youth pastor. And it turns out that my senior pastor had a very different idea of me coming in full time. So essentially, he told me I wasn't going to be deployed to the youth ministry like my youth pastor had said. Instead, I would become his PA doing spreadsheets and admin you know, all the time, and I would be in charge of the 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. service. Can you imagine for youth? That was super early. Which meant I had to give up a lot of my leadership in youth service and sometimes even miss youth service itself on Sundays. You know, miss my CG, miss my friends. You know, it would mean I couldn't serve on worship team. It would mean I couldn't be a part of growing CG in the youth service. And I was devastated because it was not what I had prayed for. And it was not what I had signed a contract with the church for. And you know what? On top of that, in the weeks to come, I would discover that working in church was not at all what I thought it was going to be. 
there was politics, there was backstabbing. You know, not all the adults, but many of the adults in the office were mean. They were Christians with no integrity. And by the end of two weeks, I remember I was in my office after a particularly bad meeting. And I knelt down in my room in front of my table and cried. And I began to complain. You know, I said, God, I obeyed you. God, I prayed and trusted you and you gave me an opportunity and then you took it away just like that. And now look what has happened. This is not even what I'm supposed to be doing with my calling. But that very moment, I heard the Holy Spirit speak into my heart so clearly. And He asked me, are you here for yourself or are you here to serve me no matter what? And in that moment, I knew that this was where God wanted me to be that even though it didn't look the way I wanted it to look, I knew in my heart that God wanted to move me in the area of my character. And so for the next one year, I did my best at things that I didn't expect to do. I gave my best to people who didn't treat me well. And guess what? I grew as a leader. And at the end of my time, doors had opened to me in places with different people because the people at work had been won over by my work ethic. You know, the people who had started off not respecting me were suddenly my best referrals because they, they loved the way I worked. And some of those relationships are why our church even exists today. You see, while I tried to move God with my prayers, God moved me instead. Which brings me to my second point about why prayer is so magical. And it's because, point number two, prayer moves us. Verse 16, James says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, when I reflect back now, guys, on the ugly moments in my life where I was a sucky person, where I was stubborn and responded badly to God, to situations where I was a pain to the people around me even, you know, for me, I can always trace it back to two things that were not happening in my life. One was either I wasn't praying, wasn't worshipping, wasn't hearing God, wasn't reading the Word and seeing whether my life was in line with God's Word. And so my spirit became really dry and sour. So that was one reason. And the other reason I can trace it to was even if I was praying, I wasn't being honest in my prayer life. So it's fascinating what James writes and chooses to point out in verse 16 randomly in the middle of this whole passage about prayer and how God will intervene in our suffering and God will heal, he suddenly interjects with confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So here's what I've observed about the Christian life. That is, prayer moves us, especially when we come to God in honesty. So when a person is real, and truthful with themselves, and real and truthful with God, prayer becomes something that God uses to move us. Now, of course, God can still sovereignly move in your life, still bring miracles. He might even sovereignly move you and humble you like He did to me in that moment in my office. But guess what? It still requires each of us to to come to Him honest and truthful and be open to Him when He speaks a conviction. So, I mean, how do you know, right, in the Bible, in Exodus, God tried to speak to Pharaoh multiple times, but the Bible says Pharaoh hardened his heart 
and he would not acknowledge God and he would not relate to God or to people truthfully. And so what could have been potentially a, a, a moment of change in Pharaoh's life became a moment of consequences instead. You know, Moses, on the other hand, you know, if you read the Bible, he was a man who made plenty of mistakes. He was as imperfect as you and me. But the Bible says whenever he prayed and God spoke to him or rebuked him or corrected him, he, he approached and responded to God with truthfulness and honesty. And so did Elijah, the guy that we're talking about in James right now. So let me give you some good news. None of us here are free from acting like idiots at some point in our life. You know, human beings, we naturally love to complain. We love to blame. But can I tell you, the rate at which we come to God with honesty in this life, it determines, you know, our future. Yeah. It determines our connection with God and our connection with people. Yeah. Yeah. You see, John 4, 23 says this, But the time is coming and is here when true worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. And the Father looks for those who worship Him in this way. God is spirit and it is necessary to worship God in spirit and in truth. Yeah. Yeah. So God looks for truthfulness when we approach Him. He, you know, he doesn't look for your perfection. He looks for your truth. And James conveys this in what he writes. In fact, he takes, he takes the concept of truth in our relationship with God and he presents it you know, in a way of, of telling us how your prayer life you know, in our church and our community should look like. He says, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. You know, so once again, this isn't just about physical healing. It's about our emotional and mental healing as well. You know, if we want to stop, I don't know, being angry, we want to stop feeling confused, we want to stop feeling like a mess on the inside, guess what? It starts with coming to God in honesty. And in my experience, there isn't such a thing as honesty with God with no honesty with people. So, you know, when you've come to me and they tell me they're feeling emo, right, and not okay about life. You know, besides counseling, one of the questions I always ask them is, hey, have you been praying? Now, if they haven't been praying, there's really nothing much to talk further about, okay? But if they tell me they've been praying, my next question to them is, okay, then what has God been speaking to you? And if they tell me, oh, Pastor, God's been encouraging me, God's been saying, I love you. You know, when I read the Bible, it's all the, you know, I have the plans for you. I have all the good stuff for you in store. You know, you know all the things we like to hear, right? Yeah, yeah. But if they tell me, when they talk to me about what God says, and there is no truth, no mechanism of truth, no, no, no messages from God that go, I love you, but go back the way you came and turn your life around. <laughs> if there is a message just like, I love you, and so I want you to grow up in this area of your life and emotions, then, then really we have a slight problem over there, okay? Because yeah. sometimes then I'll have to direct them and say, okay, that's really good. I'm glad you're hearing encouraging things from God. That's awesome. But maybe the next time you pray, in addition, why don't you ask God, God, is there anything you want me to change? Now, if they do that with honesty, I found that those people always end up cycling out of whatever it is they are struggling with, however long it takes. But if they don't, maybe because they don't want to hear what God has to say, or maybe they don't want to be honest with God and if, with their friends, I find 
you know, their problem usually perpetuates. They get more emo, they get more frustrated, they get more offended with people and with God. They go, why isn't God answering my prayers? Well, because your prayers haven't moved you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, listen, they will only move you when you start to come to God with honesty. So, so here's the thing you need to know about God, okay, guys. God prefers changing the world, okay. You know, He, he can do it Himself, but He prefers changing the world through you. He could sovereignly and powerfully do it anytime He wants, but He prefers to do it together with you. Yeah, yeah. So I love this quote from Mother Teresa, um, and I'm going to read to you. It says that, this is what Mother Teresa said, right? I used to pray that God would feed the hungry, or do this, or do that. But now I pray that He will guide me to do whatever it is I'm supposed to do, what I can do. I used to pray for answers, but now I'm praying for strength. I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us and we change things. So you're going to find as you grow in maturity as a Christian more and more, God tends to move, especially with regards to your life, only when you move, when your attitude and character and perspective shifts. Because, you know, that's when the real lasting miracles actually happen. So you guys meditated on this verse for pre-service prayer today, right? John 15, 16, it says there, God says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that what? You could go and produce fruit so that your fruit could last. And as a result, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. So listen, God wants you to be fruitful. He wants to, you to bear fruit that lasts. You know, God can intervene and give you a one-off miracle, but He would much rather have it such that you have a miracle that lasts. So God would much rather change the world by changing you. And as you come to God the next four weeks, I want to encourage you, commit to coming to Him with honesty. Instead of just praying for Him to move, ask Him to move your heart. Amen? So last thing, point for today, prayer moves the world, especially when we come to God in earnest. So a little bit more now, verse 16 to 18, it says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. So twice here in this passage, James uses the word earnest. Now earnest is actually the Greek word ischio, which means be powerful, capable, and able as shown by extraordinary deeds. Be mighty, assert, wield power, have strength to overcome. Be healthy, strong in body, to be robust, to be sound in health. Now, more words for you, okay? A synonym of earnest that translators often use for other versions of this same verse is they use the word fervent, fervent prayer. And fervent means very hot, glowing, exhibiting or marked by great intensity of feeling. 
So you can get a sense here, right? Our prayers got to have desire. Our prayers got to have passion. Our prayers got to be expressed in our behavior. Amen? Yeah, yeah. But, but here's what else another Bible dictionary says this particular word means. It says, warmth and intensity without violence. Suggests fluent verbal expression. Implies great vehemence and often violence and wasteful diffusion of emotion. Who? An intense degree of zeal, devotion, or enthusiasm. Yeah. Now, one other word they also use to translate this same word is the word strong. So, earnest, fervent prayer is strong. Now, I think by now you get the picture I'm trying to paint of how parts of our prayer life should be. Okay? That's why in our church, while we teach you to quieten your heart and to hear the voice of God, we also teach you guys how to pray strong in the Spirit. Because praying strong, fervently, earnestly, with intensity and enthusiasm is one way James teaches us to approach God. And what's even more interesting is that James in this verse actually pairs the word earnest prayer with the word uh, energio, which you can see over here in verse 16. Now, energo is where we get the word energize. And here, it means to operate and effect power. So, praying earnestly, guys, causes power to operate and work in our lives and in the world around us. Yeah. So, I began today's message by telling you, growing up in my church, we used to pray the Lord's Prayer every single week. But I never saw it work in power. Because my prayers, you know, they were prayers, but they were really empty, dispassionate, really just recitals every single week. But I want to read for you the Lord's Prayer again, and I want to show you also what comes before the Lord's Prayer in the book of Matthew. Is that okay? Yeah. So, so I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. It says here, and this is Jesus' um, teaching, right? He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so that people will see them. I assure you, that's the only reward they'll get. But when you pray, go to your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is present in that secret place. Your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. Yeah. And when you pray, don't pour out a flood of empty words as the Gentiles do. They think that by saying many words, they'll be heard. Don't be like them because your father knows what you need even before you ask. So, in other words, when you pray, don't do it for sure. When you pray, make sure you come with integrity, truthfulness, realness, you know, must be a part of how you come to God. When you pray, make sure you do it because you truly want to connect to your God. And when you pray, Remember that it's not the content of your prayers that matters or how much jargon you throw in there, amens, and I don't know what. Listen, God actually says here, Jesus says, I don't need that in your prayers. I know what you want even before you come to me and ask for it. Yeah. Yeah. And after that, after he says this, then that is when he says, instead, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, 
but rescue us from the evil one. And because it's in the other Gospels, the Anglicans also have an ending in their prayer, which goes, For yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. But here's my point. I want to point out one thing today. And that is in the verse we just read, where Jesus is teaching his disciples how they should pray. He, He makes a switch suddenly. So he goes from, when you pray, God knows what you need. You know, and he changes that from the you to to the Lord's Prayer where it says, give us what we need. You know, he changes it to forgive us for how we have wronged you. He, He goes to don't let us fall into temptation, but rescue us from evil. So Jesus starts with confronting our behavior and the attitudes with which we approach God. He asks us to come in faith. He asks us to be truthful and honest. He asks us to be earnest in our seeking of God. But then he elevates it and says, your heavenly father already knows what you need. So you shouldn't spend all your prayer time earnestly asking for just what you need. Instead, he says, pray for God's kingdom to come. Pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray we and us and not just I and me. So I'm not saying prayer isn't for us. Of course it is. God wants to intervene in our suffering. God wants to heal what you are going through. God wants to bless you. You know, the Bible says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for for you. But there is also a higher call and an elevated level of prayer. That when the disciples came to Jesus and asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Jesus was, his reply was, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever. Amen. So friend, I want to say to you, we spend so much of our lives on ourselves. But here, Jesus elevates the nature of prayer. Prayer is for God to move in your life, yes. But prayer is also for God's kingdom to come and to change our collective world. So prayer should be for the will of God to be done. Prayer should make a difference in the world for everyone, not just ourselves. So this week, I want to encourage you as you do your quiet time, as you gather in your CGs and zones to pray. You know, if you are going through tough times, I want to challenge you to pray in faith and trust. If you are struggling with something internally, you know, your walk with God is dry, your relationship with people is a mess, pray with honesty, with openness, with truthfulness. But also, will you be earnest, fervent, and strong, not just for your own needs, because God already knows your needs, but will you be earnest and fervent and strong for God's will for all of us, for others, for everyone in the world, or at least the people and communities around you or someone else who is having a hard time. Amen? So I really want to encourage you.
Prayer is a magical thing. It can move God in our life. It can move us in our life. But it's also to change the world. Amen.